0: Everybody. We're really excited to be back for season two of the Being Me podcast. My co host, Cesare, and I have an incredible guest for you today, and we're honored to have him join us to talk about the science behind developing healthy habits. Today, we're joined by the New York Times best selling author of Tiny Habits, world expert behavior scientist, and adjunct professor at Stanford University, Dr. BJ Fogg. And between all that, he also sneaks in some surfing I've heard on the beautiful shoreline of Maui. Welcome, Dr. Fogg.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I do surf every day when I'm in Maui, but right now I'm back in California teaching at Stanford.
0: Amazing. Would you share with us a little bit about your background?
1: Yeah, let's see. I grew up in Fresno, California, and worked pretty hard in school, got my doctorate at Stanford eventually, and then decided to split my time between being an academic and somebody who works on real problems in the real world. And all of my work is about helping people be happier and healthier. So I'm a behavior change guy and a habits guy. And I teach at Stanford and I run a research lab there in addition to work I do in industry.
0: Amazing. Well, we're so happy that you're with us today. And there's clearly a lot to talk about. So let's talk.
2: Welcome to Being Me, Dr. Fogg. So we like to start all of our episodes off by asking a little bit about our teenage guests. So what were you like as a teenager? Were you confident? Were you shy? Did you participate in a lot of school activities, any sports? What were you like as a teenager?
1: How honest can I be here?
2: Fully honest. (laughs) Okay. We're all about keeping it real.
1: (laughs) Teenage years were hard for me. I mean, junior high was like torture. High school got better, but junior high was rough. I was different from the other kids in some ways. I didn't really realize why. I was in the chess club and I worked hard in school, but I was not cool. I was like the opposite of cool. And then in high school, things got a little better because I started playing water polo and swimming and I happened to be good at that. And so I had some friends at least that I could hang out with. And I was pretty involved, kind of a geeky person who also was in student council. And, but I was never cool at all. I think people liked me because I'm a nice person, but those were challenging times. And only in retrospect, do I understand why it was pretty hard for me. So in summary, I did okay and got through it, worked hard in school, but Definitely not one of the cool kids, that's for sure.
0: Thanks so much for sharing that. I am sure that everything you shared resonates with a lot of folks. I know it does for me. I just appreciate your, again, being real with us and sharing and being vulnerable. Let's get into some of your work. So as a behavioral scientist, you studied how people create habits. And one thing I know you shared from your research at Stanford is that to form better habits, we should think small. Can you explain exactly what a tiny habit is? I mean, how tiny are we talking? And why is it that motivation alone is not enough to lead to behavior change? Why do we need these tiny habits in our lives?
1: Excellent question. So motivation in our lives for any behavior like eating a certain way or meditating or physical activity or creativity or homework or practicing the piano, our motivation for those things goes up and down over time. And when our motivation's high, like let's say your piano lesson is coming up in 30 minutes, guess what? Your motivation's really high. So you're practicing hard. But after the lesson is over, your motivation tanks, And so you may not practice. And so the reality is for any given thing, any given behavior, our motivation will go up and down over time. And when our motivation is high, we can do hard things. But when it goes low, we can no longer do those hard things, but we can do tiny things. And that was my insight that led to the tiny habits method. So if we wanna do a habit every day, like practice the guitar or meditate, we're not always gonna practice the guitar for an hour or meditate for 30 minutes. So if we scale it back to be really tiny, then we can do it really consistently every day. So maybe it's just the habit is play three chords on the guitar. Our uh, meditation, maybe it's just take three calming breaths. So even if our motivation is low that day or we're distracted or we're sick or we're in a hurry, we can still do it and be consistent. Then on the days that you want to jam on the guitar a lot more, or you want to meditate for 30 minutes, you can. But in the tiny habits method, you set the bar really low and you don't raise the bar. Even months later, still, three chords, boom, I did my habit. Three breaths for meditation, boom, I got it done. And you do more whenever your motivation is higher and you want to do more. And it's a totally different way of looking at habits. And it yeah. works really well if people can lower their expectations and lower the bar on themselves. And that's I love part. that.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't hear often to lower the bar. Everyone's talking about raising the bar and raising your standards. And those are two different things. You hear that or what I'm hearing from what you're describing is if the bar is closer, it doesn't seem so daunting. It feels like, oh, I can attain this and I can do it very quickly. I really love the aspect of time that you brought into this. And I feel like it's a really beautiful idea. It's really resonating.
1: And often how something will work. So if you set the bar, let's say three chords on the guitar, you might go, oh, I don't feel like playing the guitar, but, you know, I'm going to just play this three chords and set it aside. Yeah, And then so often what happens, you get it out, you play the three chords and say, oh, I'm going to play it a little more, a little more. And then pretty soon you played for 20 or 30 minutes, yeah. but you don't have to. So getting started is often the hardest thing. But if you only play three chords and set it aside, you still feel great about it. because, like, hey, I did it and I'll do it again tomorrow. I might do three chords. I might do 30 minutes. We'll see.
0: You're almost setting it up for yourself so that you're meeting or exceeding your expectations more easily. So you can feel good about
2: it. Who would you say tiny habits are good for? Is there like a particular type of person that might find them particularly helpful or do you think they're kind of good for everyone?
1: Yeah, the busier you are, the more you need tiny habits because you can't do big ones. The more stressed out you are, the more you need tiny habits because you're being distracted by things. If you have little time and you're stressed out and you're worried about lots of things, it's people like that. In other words, all of us right yeah. now.
0: <laughs> I was like, it is. is anyone listening not like that?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I really discovered this. So we did some research at a university hospital
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the tiny habits method. And we are working with the nurses and the people in the emergency department, training them in tiny habits. And I knew it would work. I knew they'd be able to create habits of resilience is what we were focusing on. But what really came through to me, the surprise in the research was, oh, the more stressed out you are, the less time you have, the more tapped out you are, the more you need the tiny habits method and the less you're going to be able to walk for an hour or meditate for 30 minutes or make these big changes. So I love the question because it really helps show that at least right now, the time has come for this method because there's so much going on right now for most people. And yes, we want to improve our lives, but for many people making these big leaps, like you see on TV shows or you read in magazines or you see on Instagram, that's not really realistic for the vast majority of us right now.
0: That makes sense. So it really sounds like this is something that's applicable to everybody. A lot of people are stressed right now For people who aren't stressed right now, at some point in life, they might experience some sort of stress or stressful time where a technique like this makes things just easier to do, easier to get started and easier to kind of accomplish. I I think that's really important. Now, one part of the tiny habits method that I think is especially important for teens is this idea of learning to have self-compassion. Can you share some of the tiny habits around changing that narrative inside our heads and how to adopt some positive self-talk as kind of part of the method?
1: I'll just start with the headline and then we can get into some techniques. The headline here is you, teens, and me and everybody, you change best by feeling good, not by feeling bad. You change best by feeling good. So it's the good feelings that you have that lead to positive changes in your life. It's the good feelings that wire inhabits. Now, yes, we can cause ourselves to feel guilty. We can have negative self-talk to get ourselves to do something one time or for a limited period of time. We've all been there. where It's like, oh, yeah, I really should do this. I'm so lazy if I don't do this. Yeah, that works in a very limited way, but it does not create a habit and it does not uplift us. It doesn't open the door to transformation. So even though we're all so familiar with that and somehow we think, yeah, I just got to be hard on myself or I just got to give myself tough love. That's not how you create habits or create transformation. It's the opposite. What you do is you look at your life and your actions and any positive thing you do, no matter how tiny, allow yourself to say good for me. Like for example, here's a water glass that's empty on my desk. If When I take this back and put it in the dishwasher, good for me. Way to go, BJ. You tidied up. Now, that's not a huge thing. Like nobody's going to give me an award for that. But it's that kind of recognition that you did a positive behavior and allowing yourself to feel good about that, that then opens the door for other times you're tidying up and opens the door for making other changes in your life. So thank you for bringing up this topic. If there's anything that people should remember from my work and tiny habits is that you change best by feeling good, not by feeling bad. And if you are trying to change yourself by making yourself feel guilty or looking at your deficiencies, just know that's a signal to back up and find ways to do it where you are recognizing your successes and feeling good about those, no matter how tiny.
0: That's so fascinating. They say you don't typically remember what you say or what you do, but you remember how you feel. I really feel like emotions can be so powerful. And I'm I'm now seeing that at play here with the idea of tiny habits.
1: Let me share an exercise that I had my Stanford students do yesterday. So it was the first day of a new quarter, a new class. And we had to have it on Zoom, which I don't love, but it wasn't in person. And so I had to redesign the class. But what I had them do... The habit I wanted to share with them was the habit of slowing down a little bit. You know how we always rush through our life, like rush to eat and rush to do this and rush to tidy up. And I have explored and really experienced the benefits of slowing down. And the way I think about it is slow down 10%. BJ, walk 10% slower as you're tidying the room, just slow down. So I had my students, I said, right now, we're going to take about two to three minutes. Go wash your hands. We're going to take a little break and do it slower than usual. And as you're doing it, tell yourself in whatever words you want, I am worthy of taking time for myself. I deserve this little bit of extra time and this calmness in my life. And then the students came back after doing that. We talked about it and it has a surprisingly big impact. And so what I wanted my students to do was experience it. Yeah. And then during this week, and then we came about with a whole bunch of situations when we call it the Honu habit. I just like we made that up yesterday. Honu means turtle in Hawaiian. And I live near turtles in Hawaii when I'm there. And so I wanted to give them something memorable and a bunch of contexts where you can do the Honu habit and do the positive self talk as you're doing it, which will help wire that in. And what I'm looking for next week and the week after in my class is that whole new habit will generalize to other aspects of their life where they'll recognize when they're rushing and they'll just slow it down a little bit. This morning, as I was doing that, it almost felt like I was having a spa experience by just slowing (laughs) down a little bit. So there are really simple things we can do that can have powerful effects.
0: So I have to ask, because I am a psychiatrist. You said something about wiring your brain. Can you say a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So as you know, and others, this isn't new to me, it's emotions. When we do a behavior and we feel successful, when we have that emotion that sends a signal to our brain that's called reward prediction error, and it causes us to be more likely to do that behavior again. And it can be as simple as when you put on a shirt and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh my gosh, I look good in this shirt. (laughs) You're more likely to wear that shirt again, right? Sure. And we can apply that deliberately in tiny habits. And that's where the emotions come in. And that's why I had my students think I deserve the time to take care of myself. I'm worthy of just appreciating this moment. Washing my hands can help that honu, that slowing down experience become more habitual in their life.
2: Definitely. In your book, you talk about the Maui method. Can you tell us how you came up with this tiny habit? And can you also explain why you gave it that name and how teens can use it as a part of their morning routines?
1: What a good question. I I will start with the second part, then I'll go back to where it came from. The Maui habit is this. As soon as you get up in the morning, so it's after my feet touch the floor, I will say, it's going to be a great day. Seven words. It's going to be a great day. And in fact, that was one of the three habits I assigned my students this week was that one, because that one can just set your day in such a great direction. And if you really don't believe it's going to be a great day, say it, but say it authentically like days where I think it's going to be really hard. It's like, oh, I got so much to do or I'm kind of concerned. I say it's going to be a great day somehow. And so I give myself the possibility. And usually it is a pretty great take. Where did it come from? A friend of mine who lived next door to us here in California, she was raised in Hawaii. As she knew, so she had stage four liver cancer. And I didn't know that yet. But she brought over a card for my birthday with a sailboat on the ocean. And it says, every day is a gift. Every day is a gift. And I put it on my fridge because I loved it. And my partner and I started telling each other, every day's a gift. And we'd get up and say, it's going to be a great day, you know, building off the card. And that's where it came from. But then when she took us to the doctor appointment with her and revealed to us that she had stage four liver cancer, was going to die soon, then it became even more important. And then I decided to name that habit. It's going to be a great day, the Maui habit in honor of her. And her name is Charlotte. So it's in Charlotte's honor and the appreciation for many things she's done for us. But that's where it comes from. And think of Charlotte where she knew she was going to die soon. She didn't want to tell us yet. She gives me a card that says every day is a gift. That's what led to the Maui habit. Yes.
0: That's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. You know, It's definitely going to stick with me. I have to ask, what tiny habits do you use in your life? We need a little more inspo. I know you do this one. Every day is a great day. Every morning. What else?
1: I have so many. And the way habits work is when you wire them into your life, then you even forget that you ever cause them to be a habit. They just, it's what you do. You don't think of how you tie your shoe anymore. And if you go into the bathroom at school, you don't think, oh, I'm going into my whatever bathroom you feel is appropriate for you. I'll just ramble off some that are close to me. Vim, I have a water glass here. I have a habit of filling the water glass and putting it on my work desk, and a habit of as soon as it's empty, I refill it and put it back on my work desk. I have a little dish with three vitamins in it. It used to have eight or nine. So I have a habit in the morning where I put the vitamins in a dish. What I found was taking the vitamins was too big. <laughs> it was too big. So just putting them in a the dish and putting them out. Right here, I have this foam wedge that's at an angle. And usually I'm at my stand-up desk stretching my calves on the foam wedge. I'm sitting down right now because of the microphone and the camera and stuff. So I have a habit of going outside early in the morning and breathing in the fresh air and just enjoying nature. When I'm in Maui, I get in the car and I go surf. And so I surf about 100 times a year. I have a habit. I just ate a Brazil nut because I believe it has a, a kind of nutrient that I need and I eat one. So I just ate one of those as a habit. But you don't think of like, oh, no, I'm doing a habit. It's just like, this is what I do. This is what I do. And you can, using the tiny habits method, you can wire in habits quickly and easily. You don't have to do one at a time. You don't have to use willpower. You don't have to use discipline. If you make it tiny enough and find where it fits naturally in your day. So, oh, after I brush, I will floss one tooth. And now I floss all my teeth. So I don't even know how to count how many habits I've created using the tiny habits method. It is a lot. We'll just say that.
0: I love that. It means it works.
1: And it's not just me. I coached starting in 2011. So over 10 years ago, I started coaching people through email and two to 300 people a week in a five-day program. I coached a week after week, year after year, over 60,000 people, I would measure the impact and the results every weekend because I'm a behavior scientist, I measure things. And so, yeah, it works for me, but it it works for other people too. And people listening to this, it's easier than you think to create habits if you do it in this way.
2: Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about their free five-day program to build habits? And can you just give us some more details about that?
1: Yeah, it is... An email-based program. We've done it through texting before, but that costs some money on our side. So we do it through email. It runs Monday through Friday, every week. And you design three habits that you want. It can be like the three meditation breaths. It could be three, you know, strums of guitar. It could be flossing one tooth. And there's a coach that I've helped train. You get a real human coach that works with you during those five days the total time investment, like the getting started you do on Saturday and Sunday, maybe takes 15 minutes. Then every day you spend maybe five minutes. And then at the Saturday after Friday, we ask you to evaluate how did things go? So the total time investment is 30, maybe 35 minutes. And you learn a lot about how habits work. And part of the learning is you learn how to revise a habit. If something's not working, then you revise it and that's part of the method. You design it, habit, it, and then if it works, you keep going. If it doesn't, you revise it. And that's yeah. what the coaches do on email is they help you understand how do you tweak this so it works for you. And then sometimes I would say in about 25% of the cases, people discover, oh, I thought I wanted that habit, but I don't really want that habit. And that's a good discovery. So you just let it go and you pick something else to do rather than, oh, I thought I wanted to empty my trash can every morning, but I don't love that habit. So I'm not doing that one. Instead, (laughs) I'm going to play with my dog every morning. Hooray.
2: That's awesome. Thank you. We want to include a link to the Tiny Habits five-day program in our show notes and our Instagram stories so our listeners can learn more about it because that's really just amazing.
1: Thank you. The starting point would just be tinyhabits.com. And from there, you can see a variety of resources, including a way to get a five-day program. And it's absolutely free. There's no hidden motives. My career and my life is about helping people be happier and healthier. So I've always made this free. And the coaches don't get paid either. They do it because they love it too. And it just makes us feel so good helping people. So Wow. Well. Even though it's free, don't worry that it's like some trick. It's not a trick. It's just a service. And we like to help people.
0: That's amazing. I appreciate that. In terms of teens and social media, we wanted to ask, because there's been a lot of talk in both the news and lawmakers about apps like Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. What do you think makes apps like Instagram so sticky? And how do you think that teens can use the tiny habits method to loosen the hold, so to speak, of social media and just build healthier tech habits?
1: Yeah. Well, I think something like Instagram and TikTok, it goes in phases. First, the first phase is you use it. It's like, oh my gosh, that was so funny. And that made me feel so good. And I feel so entertained. So you're feeling that positive emotion and it's emotions that create habits. So then it becomes a habit. But then over time, I think for many people, it's more like if you don't get on there, you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So you have this anxiety, like FOMO, some will call it. And then when you go that anxiety. Okay. I'm not missing anything. Again, that's an emotional shift that further wires in the habit. Okay. So it is the emotions that we experience, whether it's using a new ballpoint pin or wearing a new shirt or using social media, it's the emotions that create the habits. And that's, what's going on from my perspective of with social media so it makes sense that it's wiring in and becoming a habit and it's not your fault it's how behavior works and these systems have caught on because they are serving some emotional need in people's lives and the fact that you have an urge or you feel compelled to go to youtube or TikTok or instagram is not your fault at all but there are some things you can do to help reduce or minimize that and it's different for different people in my Stanford teaching lab, we've created a resource. I think it's the best resource in the world for screen time habits. So if you go to screentime.stanford.edu, there's this little cute little genie that asks you, What habit do you want to reduce or get rid of? Is it gaming? Is it YouTube? Is it what platform? And then the little genie, the little AI, goes into our database of over 150 ways to reduce or stop screen time. And we're not going to stop it, to reduce, to get your screen time in the level that you want and suggest here are three ways you can do it. So what we have on the back end is the biggest collection of screen time reduction techniques. But we don't want to like, Just say, here's all the techniques, because that's hard. And so instead, there's a cute little genie that guides you through, and that makes suggestions. So that's at screentime.stanford.edu.
2: Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's really cool. We have a question from our teen advisory board about building healthy habits around phones and social media and creating healthier habits, especially around bedtime routines. How can teens use healthy habits to build better sleep hygiene habits?
1: Oh, such a good question. I'm going to start with the hardest one. You ready? <laughs> my students don't like this one. No screen time before bed. Yes, but it goes like this. Charge your phone someplace that's not in your bedroom. Okay. I, my students just go, what? Yeah charge it in the kitchen or in the living room. In other words, do not have your phone there by your bed and don't have it in the bed with you. Okay, a lot of people won't like this, but I got to speak what I see as the truth. You're just going to sleep a lot better if you know. The phone's fine, the phone's being charged, but I can't just pick it up and look at it. Boom, one, two, go on do not disturb mode at a certain time in the evening. Do not disturb. And I won't mention brand names, but some companies have made that easier to do and recognize you're trying to get sleep. So just don't allow those notifications to come in during the period of time. And then I'll just say another one that I do in my life. I do all of these, by the way. One in my life is when my partner talks to me and I'm looking at my phone or my tablet, I put it face down and I look at him and I listen. So it's after I hear my partner talking to me and I'm looking at a screen, I will put it face down and listen. And that seems really simple, but it has a big effect on the relationship because he knows that I'm paying attention and I'm not trying to navigate texting or something while I'm listening. Pretty simple, but it's been really important in our lives.
2: I like that. I'm going to need to try all of those. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's been such a constructive conversation that I think will help a lot of teens. I know I'll definitely use some of the habits that you've talked about today and take those forward and use them in my life. So thank you so much.
1: Great questions. I've loved sharing tiny habits that might work with you all. This
2: has been amazing. Before we go, do you have any advice
0: for teens who are listening? Any general advice, anything you'd like to share?
1: Just keep going. Just keep going. Things really do get so much better. And when you become an adult, what mattered so much when you're a teen doesn't matter anymore. It's a different landscape. It's a different game when you get to be an adult. And just like when I was a kid and awkward and not very cool, the rules of the game were not set in my favor very much. But then as you get older, the rules shift. And so things do get much better. So just keep going. Just keep going and be you. Be who you are and really embrace that. And there are people out that will love you for exactly who you are. And in fact, I'm writing a song about tiny habits and I'll share the chorus. Your differences make you amazing and your quirkiness is your superpower. Okay, your differences make you amazing. Your quirkiness is your superpower. It may not feel like it right now as a teen, But as you get further on in life, you will see that's what makes you amazing is the ways that you're different. So start embracing those things and celebrating those things. Your quirkiness is your superpower.
0: I love that. You just gave me goosebumps. I love it. I can't wait to hear the song when it comes out. Thank you so much, Dr. Fogg for spending time with us. It was so great to hear about your tiny habits method and how teens and honestly the rest of us can use it to build happier, healthier lives. Until next time, this is Dr. Neha Chaudhary reminding you to keep being you.